Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. So here we are for Moving the Rock again, Jimmy. I'm starting out because we have this technology we use to connect and get this recording, and you've always had this uh, buttoned-up title, and now I'm reading it. It says, <laughs> Jimmy Superfly. What? How do you say that in Snooka? Tell Snuka. me what that means. So I I uh, thought twice before I did that. Um, yeah, uh, Jimmy Superfly Snooka is a... Uh, is a wrestler. He's an old time uh, in the seventies, man. Um, <laughs> you know, that's awesome. Originator, pioneer, and he was a wrestler. And uh, that was a nickname I got in uh, grad school. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. So you're showing up loose, having some fun, <laughs> yeah, and fits perfect with what we're talking about today as we continue down this journey and understand what it means to be engaged uh, and get engagement. And we talk about the always customer. Are you going to scare customers off having that name at the bottom like that? Uh, man, it's a great, oh, dude, that's a great question. Wow. Um, no, man, because look at, you know, what kind of customer do you want? You know, um, I need customers who are willing to be authentic, vulnerable. I need them to be willing to be held accountable. I need them to be transparent, right? The only way you can move people to change is if you have those four components. And those are the four components that I believe, you know, uh, are the foundation of honesty with ourselves, with the people around us. It's what a leader has to bring to the table. And before a leader can bring it to the table for others, they have to bring it to the table for themselves. So yeah, man, I love to, I love to kind of show up not as goofy as you, right? I'm not gonna. <laughs> we don't have to go into that shit, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna show up though, you know, with a level of authenticity. And by the way, I do that to hide my seriousness, just like you said, man. I mean, it's so funny. I tend to be buttoned up, right? It's just the way I was raised. I remember uh, my father introducing me to somebody, and I must have been like ten or twelve. And this dude met me for the first time and he said, he said, it's good to meet you. Why are you so serious? What are you so serious about? <laughs> and it's like, I, I mean, I, I, that's a vision I have in my head. I will never lose it or get rid of it. And yeah, it's just something I carry around. So yeah, sometimes I do things purposely <laughs> to loosen the hell up. And, and I've learned to do that because I want to be attractive to my always customer the people I want to work with. Yeah. You, Cause you're going to work with what you put out there and it's been fun even in the zoom world post COVID to find that companies I'm kicking off with music and they start dancing. That's wild. Yeah. Because, cause there's a little thing in your brain that's like be buttoned up, be serious, 
show them you mean business. You know, no, I think you can go the other extreme where you got something to prove that you're loose and and it, it really does come down to that word. Are you trying to prove something or is it the overflow of who you are and meeting them where they are? Obviously, if I'm getting on a chat with a company and they're in kind of a crisis situation, I'm meeting the tone of where that is. And so right. you and I could talk about that, I know, forever. But the idea being here, who you are is who you reach, which really fits with a statement that you've made a number of times that I want to let you make it because it, when you say it, it kind of thunders from the heavens and shakes the foundations about the kind of customers. Do you know the statement I mean? Right, right. I think, I think so. It's, it's, um, the first slide of almost every presentation I give, and it's really to test the audience, right? It's, the statement is you have the customers you deserve mm. and and the you have the customers you deserve. And the question is to the audience, do you agree or disagree? And you can imagine the conversations that can fly. Typically yeah. the conversations are, are, are pretty much the same people, you know, the sales folks that I'm in front of, if they're top performers, they're like, yeah, totally agree. Totally agreed. Now we can agree with that and not know and not know what the hell to do about it and not really understand the full extent of that statement and the impact it can have on us. And I'm learning more and more about it every day as I deliver. So it's not something you just identify with and say it's over. It's something you have to experience and put to work every day to really understand the power it wields and it can yeah. wield to your business. I, well, and I want to sit with the protest of it for a little bit because, you know, even in my story, I, I've loved my clients, but I have known at different crossroads. They, they they weren't evident crossroads. They were intuitive crossroads of, oh, these kind of clients I have right now won't can't afford where I'm headed uh, as I increase prices and do some different and, – and I would graduate communities – I also had a situation where I had a company that was a large part of the business one year. And I was like, Ooh, I don't want that happening. You know, I have the situation or the customers I deserve, but let's, let's sit in the protest of that for a minute, because I remember years ago, this is taking my mind back. I was doing a series of talks on community and relationships. And I just had basically said, and I haven't put this together till just now, you have the relationships you deserve, right. you know, um, and a person came up to me protesting that and was upset um, because like, well, either I'm lonely or I'm in a relationship where I'm a victim. Well, the loneliness can be uh, a number of factors and you're going to have lonely seasons, but you can learn to proactively build quality relationships. So we talked about that with her. But then the victim side of things, are there people that are in relationships where they're a victim? Absolutely. But they tolerate right? If they're an adult and they can leave of their own volition, they tolerate, you know, these um, right. dysfunctional broken relationships. How many people do we know in business just focus on getting the customer, not the kind of customer that's their always customer, and then they don't like them? <laughs> right, right. And, you know, and when I when I have a conversation and this and I don't raise this question to pick out the people who are right and pick out the people who are wrong, right? We, you and I would not do that 
in an environment. So it's not doesn't have that intent. It's it's really an intent to stretch people's mindfulness. What's what's really interesting about any universal truth, we can all understand it and apply it in some situations. But there are always going to be for for most of us, there's always going to be situations we don't apply it. Right. Absolutely. So the next thing I say after we have the customers we deserve, true or false, is you have the business you deserve. You have the employees you deserve. You have the team you deserve. You have the family you deserve. You have the relationship with your child that you deserve. Mm. You have and just keep going. And then I let the audience just keep going. Mm-hmm. And then you start to, you begin to think to yourself, yeah, you know, I walk into work every day thinking, man, I can make it happen. I'm in control. I own it. And then I can go home and be faced with a challenge that I'm not ready for and not prepared for and really don't want to invest in. And I can play the victim card and be like, why the fuck is, is this happening to me? Pardon my French people, but why is this happening to me? Why do I have to put up with this? Right. And so we live in this, we wallow in this, in this place that's so uncharacteristic when we're at work or we're somewhere else on the diamond, you know, on the field. And you're sitting on the porch and you've had a fight with your partner or your loved one or your spouse. And you're like, I deserve better than this. And, (laughs) and, and, and that's a victim mindset, right? It's, it's a victim mindset, but yeah. So I see what you're doing with the statement and I love it because it, it shakes you out of, it wakes you up out of tolerating, uh, you know, a less than desirable vision or, avoiding a problem area you need to lean into. Um, and, and we know the ceiling of our leadership, the ceiling of our, our sales skills, of our sales impact is going to be what we tolerate and avoid. That's the quickest way you can figure out somebody's ceiling. And here you've got a statement that kind of busts that ceiling wide open. And now we can go, uh, go higher and go farther. So if we think about like the bottom of this is – the customers you have or the customers you deserve. We break the ceiling and we go as high as we can into the stratosphere with this. We go to its height. Ultimately, at its height, we're building community. We're creating the community around us that that we want. Um, and I know you've been thinking a lot about that lately. Mm-hmm. What what right now for you when you think about building your community, building the client list, reaching out, growing relationships? sales as a leadership competency, where are you having things confirmed that you already knew about community and where are you learning new things? Oh man, big, big question. Uh, yeah. When you say break the ceiling, I think of this idea that I, you know, I ask the question, I think about the question or the statement, excuse me, you have the customers you deserve because for me, it's an empowering question Mm -hmm. or statement. Mm -hmm. Or if you ask yourself, do I have? Yes. Is it true? Yes. So it empowers me to say, wow, I can do something about it. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the other part of the other side of, yeah, maybe I was acting like a victim, but I truly am an ambitious, you know, positive, thoughtful person. Wow, now this this mindset now or this shift is empowering. And I haven't looked at this challenge before in a in that way, 
now I'm ready to go to work. Mm. And it's, it's amazing, you know, for me to admit and to realize, yeah, I mean, I, I, I write this shit and I have to remind myself of it because I don't always practice it. So what, it, what that does for me too is kind of have a lot of grace with my clients. You know, we can't all be perfect and operate effectively all the time. So that's the first thing, dude, is, you know, and so to your point, what, or your question, what is it, what is it, um, raise for me is how hard it is to define you're always customer. You know, you're empowered. Great. It's in your hands. Great. Now what? How do you figure out who that always customer is? You know, it's more than just a demographic analysis. Their businesses in a certain industry of a certain size. You have to think about where they are, what events they're they're faced with, uh, where they've been, what kind of experiences they have or have had to position them to be to recognize the value you bring to the table. You know, when you start thinking about all the permutations that go into defining that always customer, and when we say always, and we can describe always customer later, what, where that name came from. But for me, um, it just it just brings me back to how difficult it is, and it and it reminds me of the fact that the only way I'm going to answer that question is by becoming a student of those customers who I want to replicate. Mm. It is much more than a than a five minute or fifteen minute superficial conversation about you know what we think we know about our customers, man. It's just it's it's deeper, and if you can put the cycles in. You can discover stuff, stuff about your your always customer and your business that will just it will just change your trajectory by orders of magnitude. If you can define your always customer quickly and easily, you're either going to get lucky once you won't have that happen again, or you're in a space and in a market that you're so easily replaceable, you offer no unique value that is going to have any lasting market impact. That's been my experience hmm. uh, with, you know, my own personal experience with SightShift and working with other businesses, you know. And, and even as we're talking about it now, I mean, people listening can't see it. I just wrote something down because I thought of the best way I've ever uh, heard customers or clients say back to me, one of the key things that I think makes up an always customer. So that's the idea that it's like, it's always, you can always get better at it. You know, we think about our relationships with a, a partner or a spouse or a loved one. And I know both of us put a priority on that in our lives. You know, my wife and I'll be married 21 years uh, next month. You guys, what, how, how long in? 29. 29. Yeah. I knew you were about 10 years further down the road. And so, you know, I'm here to teach you, buddy. No, uh, the, the point of that, though, is if I think I know her, I've summed this person up, I've plumbed her depths. That's, well, what a boring, resentful, bitter experience that's going to become. Instead, we're changing humans. She's changing. I'm changing. The more I learn about myself, the more I become, the more I change, the more, you know, what a beautiful experience. And so... 
that's the part for me. Yeah, do I think you can lock in on a positioning or branding, uh, a packaging that is effective and hits that target, but in a couple of years, you're going to have to upgrade it, evolve it, reform it, mm-hmm. as is it is in marriage, so it is in business. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to tell a story. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah. I have a, I have a partner and my, my partners are people that I just really care about, um, and respect. They have integrity. So I I love this guy and, uh, he's relatively new partner and he sells in an extremely transactional way on purpose. Hmm. And as we have been working together, his mind has been opening to the power of testing his transactional nature with some well-placed questions. And I got a text from him yesterday saying, Hey, I'm thinking I'm going to ask this question now with everybody that I talked to. And I, you know, I threw out, I, I threw out three or four more. I said, yeah, man, rock and roll. You know, I was encouraging him to think about it. What's motivating him to do that? Well, when you sell transactionally, and what this means is, to your point, Chris, is that you have a very narrow view of your customer, a commoditized view of your customer. If you can be transactional, then you're really being superficial. Mm. If you can be superficial, then in many ways, you are reliant upon being seductive versus attractive. Mm. So what does it say about most transactional sales? Most transactional sales are differentiated based on timing. You're just the right person, the right place, the right time. Ah, so I just need volume, right? Yeah. It could be, you could be differentiated based on price, right? Or based on over delivering for the price. And that's where I really want to focus. His vision is shit. We give a lot away. We're giving a lot away just for the right to be transactional. Mm. I see value when I deliver. If I change the way I sell, ask more questions, create more value, more awareness of the value that I deliver, maybe I can charge more. Mm. Now, he's going to say, the old him would say, whoa, 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 your sales cycle is going to get longer. Well, maybe it's going to go from one call to two calls. <laughs> Longer is relative, right? But maybe they get bigger. Maybe they stay longer. Maybe the value of your business grows by an order of magnitude. Mm. Which just takes us right to where we were with community. You know, we, we know the the wisdom here. It's much easier to have a customer long-term than reach a new customer. And if everything is transactional and not at a foundational level of relationship or community, now we're churning, right? And so for me, when I think about community, like this is what wakes me up. That The end game is community. It's creating a context around me where I'm with people that I like being with, doing things I like doing. If we're going to work, let's have fun. Let's make an impact. Let's make some money. Because for me, over and over and over and over and over, there's this lie that you see sold so often in sales, just get the sale. Yeah. Well, who that relationship is, is who I'm going to reach more of. No, thank you. 
who are these people that I love hanging out with and being with so much so that I don't have to over deliver value on the front end to make it transactional on the back end because it's relational. I become a valued resource in their life. It's, it's, it's paying for services that I might be providing or our team might be providing, but it is relational at its foundation. Right, man. It's what's cool about these conversations is I always learn something and, uh, I well, that's always encouraging because I feel like I'm the one that gets to do a lot of learning <laughs> on these episodes. Well, I, I'm putting things together, man. So check this out. So if my buddy Brad, uh, Brad Cerconi, he won't mind me mentioning his name because he has a great podcast. Well, wasn't he in the Batman movies as a, a bad guy? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so he talks about he, he's a he's a former lead singer of a band called The Toll, which uh, came out of, uh, Columbus and they, um, they signed like a $4 million contract with Geffen records and hit it and, uh, did a couple albums. And, and so he's, he talks about banding and branding, right? So he brings his, uh, rock and roll roots. I mean, he, he toured with the, with the, uh, uh, oh, he was managed by Madonna's manager. He toured, toured with, with the Ramones. He had a lot of great experiences. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. And I wish I knew him back then. Um, what Brad would say is that, and I actually incorporate this in my teaching because it was so powerful for me when I, when I discovered it or when he helped me discover it is that the stronger a brand connection is the actual faster the buying cycle is. Mm. So what you're doing for me here, Chris, helping me think about community you know, what I, what I know to be true, just based on my own experience, is that when I'm out there looking for information, if I find someone who communicates with me in a way that, that I identify with, can solve my challenge, it takes me seconds to decide to click on that, build a relationship, download whatever, and go. The connection, the strength of the connection accelerates my decision to trust, to engage, to invest my time with him. So what I would say, what I think we're saying here is that the better I understand my buyer, I'm sorry, let's, let's save buyer for later, but the better I understand my customer, the stronger the connection, potentially, the faster the buying decision. Now, it's not transactional. It's more meaningful, but I can achieve the same kind of speed mm. in in the process i can accelerate that decision mm. Mm. when i think about what you're saying you know it's over and over the things as a public speaker speaking at conferences the things that i say that people come back you know come up afterward and they say back to me that's where i've learned over time the things that just land the deepest and the hardest on some of the the problem areas uh, that people don't always volunteer or talk openly about in maybe a one-to-one -one setting because it's not being provoked by something I'm saying, right? And one of those is self-help fatigue. Um, right. So, you know, self-help as a tool can at an introductory level produce 
some change, but it's like this person who's in an, a, a boat and they want to go north, but the autopilot's programmed south. So they read a self-help book and they make a change. But when you get tired, you let go. That autopilot kicks back in and you're going back in the direction you didn't want to go. So I would talk about this idea that self-help that doesn't stick, right? Because in my own personal journey, I couldn't read another self-help or leadership book that was going to fix the problem I was having. I needed something more. Well, the people that I connect with that would come up after I would speak or whatever, that foundation of a community that starts to form is instantaneous, right? They're hearing me say something, they're feeling that same thing, and now we're connected at this level, and then they're coming up and letting me know, and they're just giving voice to that. There, there's nothing about transaction at that point. It's, it's just a relational interaction. Hey, it sounds like you're a thoughtful person who wants to grow and develop yourself. You strike me as somebody who really wants to grow. We have a program, figure that shit out.com. You know, that's when I'd throw it out that way. Mm -hmm. And and it wasn't a situation where you could walk through the wins model as thorough. Parts where I skipped over it because I didn't know the tool and wasn't developed in it might get lucky, might not on, on some sales, but parts where we were able to engage even like a minute and two minute conversation where I'm asking you know, what are they seeking to achieve before I would have worded it more precise with the wins model? Jimmy, people will refer back to those first conversations with me still. Like one of our certified coaches remembers that moment and that exchange. It was for them a, a moment of stepping into change. And so what you can't take for granted with people, uh, we are always building community. We're always building community and we're either trying to take from people or trying to give to them. And if we're kind of, if we're going to have the mindset that says we're always building people, we're building community. So you would, you would, uh, modify the statement to you have the community you deserve. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's heavy. And, and I know, just like you said earlier, your intent is not to shame with that, nor would mine be mm -hmm. uh, an intent to shame with that. But it's like, you know, and, and, and I say this out of a context, and you know this about, you know, kind of my previous life and work and different iterations where I'm teaching that message and a woman is standing there with sunglasses on because she has a black eye underneath it because her husband punched her. And she's saying, you, you're telling me I have the community I deserve, right? Okay, you are a victim, you are abused. You've got to get out though. You've got to have healthy boundaries. Right. Well, think about the salesperson that doesn't love and connect with the people they serve. It's a lack of healthy boundaries, right? They haven't communicated what they need. They haven't asked for what they need because they don't have that within themselves. Until you know who you are, you can't establish healthy boundaries. So I think about it like hula hoops. Let's give an old school example here. Uh, even in a sales interaction that is gonna be healthy and effective, it's two people with the personal boundaries of their hula hoops and they're overlapping, but we still possess our own personhood with this always customer. When I compromise all my values and release all my boundaries and set that hula hoop down in the aim or intent of a sale, a transaction, or even just connection, they can't really connect to me 
because I have no form to connect to. I'm just right. chameleon-like becoming who they want me to become. And I'm not saying we don't adjust and meet people where they are, because I think if you're a dynamic person, you probably have a number of friends where a different part of you shows up differently with those friends. Mm -hmm. And effective salespeople know how to do that. But if you don't know who you are and you don't have a healthy sense of self coming out of that, you're compromising. No, it's a really good point. Um, and I'm just personalizing it because I, I, uh, I go through this in my business. I've gone through this cycle a couple times where I have a strong sense of who I am, what my company does, what services we deliver and the value. And I create very strong boundaries. And typically the stronger those boundaries, the more, for example, I push back on my clients and say, you know, that's not how we operate. This is how we operate. Are you in or out? You know, the more, um, the more firm I can be in terms of, uh, of how I'm willing to operate and how I'm not willing to operate, the, the better those clients are, the longer they last, and the better the relationship, the better the outcomes. Uh, when I am feeling, for whatever reason, more like compromising and doing whatever it takes to get the deal, um, tolerating, mm. you know, those relationships become weaker. Mm. The outcomes become less robust. The relationships don't last as long. And I really, I really believe it has, it has a lot to do with the, the, the more mediocre I become, the easier I am to replace and the less unique I am viewed and experienced by the customer. So it's, so that's why we really talk about sales as a leadership competency. We want salespeople, we want leaders uh, and executives of organizations when they meet a customer we want them to assert themselves um, as, in, when appropriate, as strongly as, as they can, because that is, that is what's attractive about you. That is what, what will be attractive about you to that always customer. And mm -hmm. that is going to be the, a, a part of the relationship that you build that differentiates you and cannot be replaced by anyone else because it's uniquely you. And it also gives the client an amazing self sense of confidence in you and it builds confidence in them. It's a, it's, it's why we refer to leaders who we develop as growth multipliers. Mm -hmm. You come to the table with a strong sense of who you are and that generates a multiplier effect where everyone that you're working with elevates that, that, that uh, requisite win-win, if you will. I, I love, I, I think for, I've, we've talked about the term growth multiplier so much, but today, for whatever reason, just now, I heard it so fresh because that's so what you do. You take a moment and you multiply it out. And uh, that's really, really cool. I'll tell you how I was tested on this even today with a customer, uh, a customer I love. Um, it's a it's a company and we, and and they wanted to go, we kind of talk about things in three phases, align, um, expand lead and they wanted, we're in the align phase with them right now. And they wanted to go ahead and get into expand too. And I was like, I, I'm eager to do that too, but let's wait, you know? And I gave a time frame. Um, and so it wasn't malicious or bad. They just are excited and want to go. And I, it was a little temptation in me, man. I felt that Jimmy, I was like, Ooh, I want to say yes. And I, 
I started like thinking through the calendar and how to compromise. And I was like, nope, nope. And so thankfully, good words came out. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and every time you and I engage, when I hear you make a statement, I immediately translate it into a question. And I think it's just my nature, right? Because I love asking strong questions, right? And so for the listener, right? When you, ha- when, you f- when you know you have to tell your customer, essentially tell your customer no, mm-hmm. do you want to tell them no or do you want to ask them a question? Mm. You know? So what if I had to tell someone no who I really respected and I didn't want to upset them and I wanted to make them a partner in the no? <laughs> what mm. if I said... Would it offend you if I if I told you that wasn't a good idea at this point in time? Dude, that's awesome. You're so freaking hyper-developed on this. Would it offend you if I told you you weren't ready? Oh, dude, you're right. rocking my brain right now. So it's just it's just it's just a and I'm not I'm not trying to beat up the question concept. No, I, love it. I, I would like everyone listening to be able to if you're going to develop a habit around this and you want to you want to position yourself as a leader and you want to take advantage of all the things that Chris and I are talking about today start by developing this ability to turn every statement you hear or that you that you would make into a question figure out how to do that and this uh, this leadership paradigm that that just naturally comes by, from asking questions will become much more natural. You'll actually shift the autopilot that you talked about, Chris. Mm-hmm. You'll actually you'll actually build a brand new autopilot that will keep you on a different track. Dude, drop the pin, drop the mic. Jimmy's out. That was awesome. That's fun. That's fun. Well, look, I, I before we wrap, I want to I want to make a uh, statement, you know, the the concept of always customer uh like many things for you and I, Chris, we read things, we hear things, we learn things, and then we adapt and adopt them in a fresh new way. The The concept of always customer, um, the seed of that was a lesson that I learned from a coach of mine, I have to mention, Rocky, Rocky Legrone. Um, and uh, he, he taught me this concept of always, sometimes, never. Mm. And one of the most effective things we can do as, a, as salespeople, as business owners, is to look at our Look at our uh, our world, our customer, our market, in terms of the always, sometimes, and never customers. Do you have a definition for eat for all three of those? Now, the easiest thing is to define your always customer, and then go out and define your never customer, and in the middle will be your sometimes. It's it's easy, right? What's the benefit? The benefit of knowing who your always customers are is that you can guide your marketing and your selling so that you are you are maniacally focused on those customers who will always buy from you right now sales is not a game of perfection it's a game of probability when i say always i mean at a probability level right 90% 95% when you meet this type of customer they are going to buy that's who you want to go after and that's who you want to build your messaging and positioning around because anybody else who comes close will end up being that sometimes buyer that you can now work with mm-hmm. you also want to understand who your nevers are because you don't want to waste time and effort cultivating mm-hmm. courting people who are never going to buy 
And you don't want to be this type of salesperson that says, oh, I can sell ketchup to a woman wearing white gloves or whatever the, the bullshit, you know, egocentric comment is, right? Um, you're not going to waste time doing that. You're going to be much more successful and much less stressed about what you do for a living. Dude. So thank you, Rocky. Thank you, Rocky, indeed. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, at, you know, our conversation today, if people see me, I'm writing stuff down because, I, I you know, the, the it's ongoing. It's evolving. And I've got some new insights on the always customer. I'm excited. I'm going to go put it to work. Let's do it. And and so and for the future, we're going to be talking about in future episodes, the always buyer. We're separating out customer and buyer to customer from buyer today because in a B2B context, it's the entity, the business, the the organization that ends up becoming the customer. It's the human being that we interact with who be, who is the buyer. Uh, so we want to separate those two out. We'll talk about always buyers in a future in a future episode. This was really great, Chris. Thanks. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace.